We are continuing on understanding covenant. And we were focusing mainly on reconnecting to the generational covenant. And we were saying that every family lineage has a certain grace imparted by God to it. Every family, every one of you, none of you came into the world empty-handed. God never skipped any of you. It may be that you may not be aware. It may be that in your family lineage, something went wrong. But every family, each family lineage, has certain graces imparted by God, not by men, by God, to your family. I call them family distinctives. These are things that stand out. Dominant traits, if you want to call them. They become a signature mark. When you look in this family, certain professions seem dominant. Certain ways of doing things, the way people are wired, seems to be dominant. Not everybody in that family, of course, followed in that, follows in that path. And even of these distinctives is not only confined to one area. You'll find there's families that have people who are in the science field, but also in the arts field. But the families that are rich, lots of ching-ching. Like the ching-ching is attracted to them. And they, they, they work like the rest of us, but they get more for their work. And somehow this coincidences that happen to them when it comes to money. You know, you can be in the same place with them, they'll come out with more money than you. And it just doesn't make sense. But that's because there's a family distinctive grace. The tragedy I find is that many people don't know what they carry. Many people. Many people don't know who they are. And why I emphasize that is that in your area where you are graced, you are second to none. There's nobody who really can do what you do. You get more results than anybody and with so much ease. And in that same area, there's passion that comes when you connect with that area. There's creativity that comes when you connect to that area. There's longevity that comes. Even if you're working, it's replenishing. It's, 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 it's uh, life-giving. It's something that you don't struggle to do. You, even the way you think, you think like that. And the, sometimes your way of looking at things in life is colored by that. Because just, just the way when God knit you in your mother's womb and when God established your family lineage, that's what he put in that family. But many people never find out who they are. They don't know. They don't know. They don't know. So they go through life trying to be what they're not. Getting into fields that are not suited to the way God has wired them. So they struggle in life. 
They go through problems in life. They don't become productive in life. They don't succeed. They never reach certain heights of success. They never reach certain realms of achievement. And they think there's something wrong with them. But the problem is, you, 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 are, you, are, you are a fish trying to fly. And you are not equipped with wings. You are equipped with gills and scales. If you can go back to the water, you'll do better there. Much better there. Because that's your area. And I want to say this a, a whole lot, for those of you who are young, because you still have a lot of years ahead of you. If you are in the wrong area, now, like I said, you don't have to confine yourself. You can do many things, but there's two, three, two things, three things, where you will supersede. But they're not your main areas, you see. So, unfortunately, what we find is that even with this gifting, like we saw in the family of David, the lineage of kings that came by God's design. There'll always be a weak link. Somebody in the family who doesn't follow their pattern. And this person compromises the whole family. And Satan will oftentimes infiltrate the family bloodline to interrupt this grace. So that this family that had a certain signature on it, Iba of course. And how he does it is by capitalizing on the misdemeanors of the people I call the weak link in the family lineage. Don't be that weak link. But the nice thing is that even though this generational grace in the lineage can be interrupted, even if it can be corrupted, even if it can be taken, of course, it cannot be deleted. Because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, the book of Romans tells us. So even if it's generations later, someone who comes in later generations can still at a revival end. It's, it's dormant, Mara. It's not gone. It's interrupted, but it's not deleted. It's lying there, dormant. It's in you. That's why when you... When you, when you get to a certain stage in your family lineage and you see things going the wrong way, something troubles you, come on, but my family can't go this way. It's God working in you, trying to revive and, and renew and bring to life that which is your portion. And the truth is, when who's trying to get everything back on track, I want you to be aware of the struggles you're going to go through. Why? Because the demons that brought your family down, brought your mother down, your father down, your grandfather, your great-grandfather, your great-great-great-grandfather, dating back many generations, have studied the pattern in your family. They've studied the weaknesses in your family. They know what your family is susceptible to. They know if I work in this family, this family is susceptible to this. They like, they, they fight. They are just a fighting type. This family we know, they, are, they don't have character. One of my twaro. See, see, see. So this family doesn't have longevity. They don't stick it out. They get discouraged. But look at that. 
anybody sitting next to somebody who is uh, And if we check in the families, families that say, and then he brings in certain things that destroys this family, they die at a certain age. They die from certain diseases. And it becomes a pattern. So Satan has studied that pattern. So when I older, and God tries to use you, you have to deal with all of that. So it's going to demand of you to make certain commitments, certain dedications, Certain vows, like it was in the case of Samson, in Judges chapter 13, he had to take what we call the Nazarite vow. And Mama Lamazana, these vows, the things that are required of you may not necessarily be sinful things to stay away from. Some of them have nothing to do with sin. It has to do with how you behave because you are more susceptible in that area. I mean, if you look at Samson, or, or, or being committed in that area retains your covenant commitment. It, it causes the power of God to work. It doesn't stop the flow of God. Many people haven't studied that. Basalan, don't just run and do stuff that other people are doing. Particularly in wrong. There are people who live in sin, but it looks like their life is working. You think you'll do the same? Yeah, the people, you wonder, how do they get away with this? So Just once fella. That's the end of you. Because your lineage is susceptible there. In the case of Samson, God told Samson, don't cut your hair. Nothing wrong with cutting your hair. Nothing wrong. But for you, for you to go wrong. Don't eat any fruit made out of grapes. Don't eat grapes and don't eat any fruit. Little raisins. Little wine. Scan. Now, nothing wrong with eating grapes. I know some of you thought I was saying nothing wrong with drinking wine. Nothing wrong with eating grapes. He was told, don't touch corpses. Don't touch dead bodies. Nothing wrong with touching corpses. But if you look at Samson's downfall, and it's amazing when you read it. Go read it in the book of Judges. He started by violating these things bit by bit. You see, he killed a lion. Even if it was by the anointing that he killed a lion, he went back to the lion and got honey from the corpse of the lion. See? But the anointing was still there. See? But the anointing was still there. See? Bit by bit, he goes around with Delilah and then Abakena Mumadile. Chibuku rice. So bit by bit, he's violating, he's violating. Finally, the last straw, he revealed to Delilah the secret of his strength. He said, it's in my hair. Cut my hair. So she cut the hair off. And once all of that was done, he was neutralized. That's what Satan wants to do. He wants to neutralize what God wants to do in your family. But the way I, I look at you, the way you want to look at you, somebody shout hallelujah. No, not under my watch. For as long as I'm there in my family lineage, I am going to cause a lot of trouble for the devil. I'm going to live in a way that will lift up my family lineage. Do we have people here who are going to live in a way that's going to lift up your family? Come on, say amen. If you are here in the house, shout hallelujah. I'm going to live in a way. 
And the problem is the very family you are trying to lift up doesn't understand you. But we get some wrong. Now it ends up better. Yeah. Because when something in you says, don't do that, don't do that, it's a sort, it's a sort. You're the only one who wakes up, goes to church, only one who prays, only one who tries to do things. Everybody doesn't care. But they don't understand why you are so burdened. I want you to know the hand of God is upon your love. That's why you are so burdened. Oh, I said the hand of God is upon your love. God is looking for some woman. God is looking for some man. God is looking for some young person uttering, never in my name, never under my watch. So we see with the Joshua generation, the generation that took over from their fathers and forefathers who could not enter the promised land. Because of their disobedience, they dropped the ball. Hey, they dropped the ball. When they came on the scene, God speaks through Joshua. He says, take 12 stones. And these 12 stones represent 12 truths. In other words, for us to reconnect, there will be certain requirements from us. Where there are certain truths that we must uphold. These are spiritual truths that God will bring alive. Biblical truths that have been there all along. They're not new. But now the power of the Holy Spirit is making them more alive in you. Where you are getting a divine visitation from God. And we talk about the 12 stones. I won't go into them. There's 12 of them. Those of you who don't know what the 12 are. But last week we talked about the stone of humility and simplicity. I want to talk about that and give you today. God places high value on humility, simplicity, and childlikeness. Psalms 18:27. It says you save the humble. So God saves those who are humble. Psalms 147 verse 6, it says the Lord sustains the humble. So when you are humble, God will sustain you. And, and this point is so deep, Barcelona. See, being sustained means not only do you get, become successful or get what you need, you stay successful. See, 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 there are many people are crying one miracle and that's the end. Because once God blesses them, I want it. And God says, no, no. Even when I do stuff in your life, stay humble. Are you understanding, Masalana? Don't go around bragging about your success. And don't look down on other people. Because when now you were able to achieve certain things. Are you understanding what I'm saying to you? Don't start calling other people names because when now you have moved on. Stay humble. If you're humble, God says, I'll sustain you. In other words, I will do far more. That verse that we're reading there. You know, God does unbelievable. Exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. God wants to do far more. But most people, Koloye Wanefela. And God has no problem in giving you two cars, three cars, ten cars. No, no, it doesn't cost him anymore. The issue is, can you handle it? Can you handle it? God doesn't mind giving you one church. He can give you two churches, three churches, thousand churches. 
two congregants, five congregants, thousands of congregants. When you preach in front of thousands of congregants, can you handle it? Will you, when you are with other pastors, will you still be normal? It's, 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 it's sickening. God sustains the humble. Proverbs 3.34, it says, God mocks the proud, but gives grace to the humble. See, humble people before God are more likely to experience all the blessings that God has for them. And this is why with every revival, every visitation of God, humility becomes one of the requirements. Jesus, our Lord, demonstrated humility by taking on the form of mankind, even if he was God, like I illustrated last week Sunday. He was born like a mere man, submitted himself to parental guidance. I was thinking about it when I was chicken. I was thinking about it. I said, Can you imagine? God, 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 the creator of heaven and earth. Think about it. God, the creator of heaven and earth, submitting himself to a human being that he has created to be raised by him. Can you imagine Morana Joseph said, I know a Bible, I show you, but I mean, I'm just thinking about it. Oh, Kiatla Mama. Now I see some of you think I'm preaching heresy. No, 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 no. Jesus was a carpenter and he learned that from his father Joseph. He learned from Joseph. God learning from a creature he created. Hey, the book of Hebrews, he learned obedience. If God can learn, if God can sit down and learn, and we are in big trouble, those of us who don't want to learn. You think you are too good to learn from anybody. Ah, now you are in another rank. He humbled himself to be killed by the human beings he had made. Can you imagine human beings who made you, you allow them to crucify you. And you die on the cross. And they strip him naked. The pictures already so they don't... I think people are embarrassed to show the the full picture. For God to be embarrassed like that by human beings he had made. Imagine if you had that power. Do they know who I am? But then Jesus says, if he humbles it like that, there's no reason why you can't humble yourself. That's why that verse, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Think like that. Humility. Let me read it to you. Philippians 2, that verse I'm quoting. From verse 3. When you do things, do not let selfishness or pride be your guide. I'm reading the New Century Version. Instead, be humble and give more honor to others than to yourself. Do not be interested only in your own life, but be interested in the lives of others. In your lives, you must think and act like Christ Jesus. Christ himself was like God in everything, but he did not think that being equal with God was something to be used for his own benefit. This is why I get concerned when people are obsessed with positions. It should never be. Now, we, we must respect people for who they are in our lives. You know? we, we shouldn't be disrespectful. Right? But we can't use our position. 
as a status symbol. With God, it's a matter of whatever rank you're at, it's for serving. And, and Jesus says, to whom more is given, more is required. The more God elevates you, and the more God entrusts you, it's the more he's going to hold you accountable. So it's not status. It's not status. Jesus gave up his place with God and made himself nothing. He made himself. No one will humble you. No one will humble you. You have to when, uh, look at yourself and say, what's the working? Let me take a step back. Made himself nothing. He was born to be a man and became like a servant. Serving is one of the biggest symbols of being humble. See, if, 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 if you can't serve, then you, you don't know what humility is. Look at your neighbors not saying amen. And when he was living as a man, he humbled himself and he was, ring. Fully obedient to God. Obedience is a sign of humility. See, the, you see, we live in a rebellious world, like I said last week. We live in a rebellion. And I must tell you, Basalana, this thing already is my idea, my, my, my. And I pray that many of you young people, you really learn to be obedient. I'm telling you the truth. You know, we lived in a difficult time when the corporal punishment was allowed, and it wasn't correct. But I can tell you, one of the things we learned in our age group is to learn to be obedient. Now, our parents were not always right. But there's things that we would never say to our parents. There's a line you don't cross. Even today, even today, as pastor of, as, 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 as bishop of this church, there's a certain line I'll never cross when it comes to our elderly people. I'll never cross. I'll never cross. Certain words will never come out of my mouth. And you know, we, we live in a time where people have no filters in the name of speaking their mind. Yeah. Yeah. He says he was living as a man. He humbled himself, was fully obedient to God, even when that cost his death. Obedience. Death on the cross. God raised him up to the highest place. See, in God's kingdom, you want to go to the highest place? <laughs> must humble yourself. God made his name greater than every other name so that every knee will bow to the name of Jesus and everyone in heaven and earth will confess that he is Lord. Even during his earthly ministry, as much as he modeled humility, his disciples didn't get it. And it really concerns me, Barcelona, with the people that were leading that they don't seem to see what we're modeling. It really concerns me, Barcelona. I'm being honest with you. It really concerns me that we try our best, some of us, to model these things. You see the way we treat leaders, the way we talk about them, the way we honor them, the way we respect them. We try. And I really it's a show off. No. Reyeta because it's a discipline. It's what we do. But then you have a younger guy come up and they break all the rules in the name of being the new generation. Certain things, Bazalana, they don't fade. They don't disappear. There's a lot of things that will make it through life. And according to God's standard, doesn't matter what age we live in, God is non-negotiable about certain things. But his disciples, as much as they were around humility itself, they come to him and ask him who's the greatest. 
in Matthew 18, verse 1, the disciples came to Jesus, asked him, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Imagine. These guys are already trying to check who's going to be bigger. And so Jesus calls a child and has the child stand among them. He says, I tell you the truth, unless you change, see, unless you change and become like little children, you will never. Look at your neighbor and say, never. Look at your other neighbor and say, angeke. Look at your other neighbor, angeke. Says you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean? Wherever God is ruling, whatever God is doing, whether it's the anointing, answers to prayer, whether it's effectiveness in ministry, blessing, anything that God's doing, whatever God is in charge of, in other words, you'll never participate in that. Yeah. Says in God's kingdom, if you if you if you want to if you want to experience all that God has in store for you. Hmm? You want this word to work for you? Got to be like a child. <laughs> Got to be like a child. In other words, oh, let me continue. He says, therefore, whoever humbled himself, humbles himself like this child, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean? It means the kingdom of God or the house of God, if I may, has strange doors. It's a house which has Lentils that are low, that are only the size of children. It's not a lentil equality, lentil emo. Children, because by nature they are humble, but now I buy me straight. Now, because we have to bend over, humble ourselves, and get into this house called the kingdom of heaven. In other words, you can only enter God's house by going lower. Because the lentils are only suitable for the children's heights. So the only way to enter, you just have to be like a child. I'm telling you. So if we must be like children, what are the qualities that we learn from children? How do they demonstrate humility? Number one, children are humble. The word humble means to be low in position, condition, or to be not important, not grand. Children don't, but it's rather as important. I don't ever remember kids wanting to have a bodyguard. I don't, I don't, I don't ever remember. Unless they are taught by us. Elderly people, children are not like that. The word humble means to be modest in spirit. To not be proud. In other words, children are free from arrogance. Generally speaking, Bazalan, they've got their issues. But generally, children don't have arrogance. I'm telling you. Let me show you what that means. When you are humble as a child, here are the things you note because of that humility. They forgive and forget very quickly. You can upset a child now and they'll say, you are no longer my friend. Hmm. And then two minutes later, you're my best friend. Two minutes. They, 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 they forgive. But not, they, they fight. Okay, have you seen them fight for choice next and they're hugging each other? We're not like that. 
Salem was upset at 10 years ago. How many fell out? He believed he was Children, forgive quickly. I'm talking about the humility. I'm talking about the humble. When you're humble as a child, listen to this. You sit quietly and listen to instructions and teachings. Generally, when, when you teach children, you sit them down, they listen, they listen. And they listen with their ears, their eyes, their heart. They listen, they're attentive. Huh. Now, we all heard, I'm sure, about the passing year, Mbongeni Ngema. One of the great artists of our country. I tell you, South Africa, we, we, we have such incredible people. And one of the quotations that's been going around Yahaya is when they asked him, and in fact, it, it looks like very recently, he was very concerned about the young upcoming artists. And he said, you know, of the many things I really would like to say to the young up, upcoming artist is they need to learn to be humble and be teachable and learn from us Mataima. Latula Yanun. Kitsibila He said, Mina, I learned from Gibson Kente. I sat under the mentorship, teaching. And for those of you who are Kwasako Dimi, the Tuchile of Gibson Kente. Mbongeni Gema came with timeless pieces, Sarafina, Woza Albert, many of those. In commenting about his passing, several artists were invited on television to talk about him. And I, and I caught this one. I saw it on, on YouTube just a little bit. Dr. Jeremy Fukeng Wamacheta said, Mbongeni Gema was an artist. He was not a star. And I was thinking, oh, what do you mean? He said, the difference between a star is that a star lights up and after a while lights a leave. And he said, unfortunately, several of the people in this arts industry, they are there in one of the soapies, they get many likes on their Facebook. And before you know where you are, they are big-headed because they've got a thousand likes. But they are just a, an actor. As a result, many of them are not sustainable. They only make a difference in one season. Mungeling Gemma's work has transcended time. Because he wasn't a star, he was an artist. And being an artist comes through certain disciplines. I see it in ministry, Bazalwan. I see it in ministry. By God's grace, you know, we've celebrated 40 years. 40 years. 40. Oh, no, no, no. It's, it's okay. Hmm. I appreciate your appreciation. But what I want to say is that then you meet a young pastor that you try to talk to them. Now, this guy hasn't even been in ministry 40 months. But he's already arguing with you. You know. But that someone has been in something long enough. And they've been sustainable. There must be one or two things. Nyana. Wait. Nyana. And key things. Just wait a minute. I want to make the point. I want to talk to the, the Gen Z's and the, 
born freeze. I want to talk to you with love. You may not like what I say, but maybe 20 years from now, 30 years from now, you'll appreciate what I'm saying and the love with which I say it. I say this all the time when I talk to young people. When I look at many of you, you have everything it takes to make it. Everything. You guys are smart. Many of you are educated. You're wise. You, you really know your stuff. But there are certain traits I pray that you will embrace. And one of them is being teachable. Now, now, certainly you will always know more than the generation before. There are things I knew that my parents didn't know. It will always happen with the next generation. But that my parents could raise five children with a salary of one person and we never lacked food, go high. There has to be. You see, you only see it how whole because when, when, we, when I started, when I became a dad, my wife and I started having children, it's very expensive to have these kids. Hey! To clothe them, take care of them. And then I realized the work it takes to spend time with them. It's not easy at all. When you are younger, you complain because your parent wasn't there. You, you, you neglected me. Okay. Have your child. Ne? Yeah, yeah. The day you are a parent, the day you are a parent, let's have that conversation, me and you. See, when you haven't done something, you have a tendency. We all have a tendency to judge people. I always talk about that Le Pastor Dick. He was here a few weeks ago. It's amazing the conversations we are having now. <laughs> there are certain things that I never thought would have to deal with. Yeah. I was looking, you know, I was at the funeral. Yeah, yeah uh, Mama Columbia did the, the memorial service. And there's a minister I know, was Alona. When he went up the pool, he had to be helped up. You know, there's a stage where you don't think about that. There's a young person who is <laughs> When you reach that stage, you appreciate for a little one of balances. I tell So when you're young, there's a lot that you take for granted. And one of the things you take for granted is that you think you still have a long way to go. Yeah. So you know when people reach 30, how happy birthday Supergirl is getting old. Yeah. I want to talk to you out of love, guys. Be teachable. Be teachable. Learn to be teachable. Oh. Oh. Don't be big headed. You know? So, children are teachable. Children are teachable. When you are humbled as a child, you easily learn new things. And you, children copy. They don't want to be original. They copy. If you, if, you say, if you say a word to a child, they repeat it to you. You say this, they say that. That's the way to, The quickest way of learning is to copy. That's, that's all you do. You copy. Yes, and paste, of course. When you're humble as a child, you copy things easily. 
here's another thing. I mentioned it last week. When you are humble as a child, I'm, I'm still on point number one. I hope you're not on point number ten. Because I'm on point number one. I'm talking about the humility. When you're humble as a child, you're not conscious of your lack of wealth. We did last week. This obsession with designer labels. This obsession, I don't know where it comes from. Children don't care. It doesn't matter who you are They don't care. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't care. I'm saying it shouldn't be a stated symbol. It shouldn't be such an obsession that you're going to break your budget. And be in debt because you're trying to impress people who are not even going to be impressed. Look at your neighbor. I see your amen has pain in it, but just keep saying amen. Amen. When you're humble as a child, you're not conscious of nationalities. Uh, this is... This, I, I laughed years ago. This is in the 80s. We went to the then John Smart Airport. Those of you who are my age group, you'll remember that at the OR Tambo, then John Smart Airport, there used to be what we call an observation deck. You could go to that floor and watch planes coming in and going out. Remember? We used to congregate there in large numbers. They've discontinued that for safety reasons. But I remember we were here, really at the height of apartheid, where black and white were not mixing at all. Right? And here we are standing as a crowd, and I see these toddlers walking. You know, they're playing. Their parents are somewhere in the crowd, so they're going on. They've allowed the toddlers to walk. And, my, you know, my, my inquisitive mind, my naughty mind sometimes, I said, I'm sure those kids are going to run to each other. And, and true to it, they babonana, and they started running to each other and hugging and kissing. And I thought, okay, you know, I, I can tell you who the parents are just by looking at the reaction of the old people. <laughs> and I could see the white couple that was blushing over there and the black couple that said, no, 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 no. Because you see, we, we were not relating as black and white. But the kids don't know she's white, he's black. They don't know. They don't, they don't know. They hug, they kissed. And the sad part, it's us who are going to tell them. We, 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 we pass our prejudices to children. Jesus says, be like a child. Don't have prejudice. Don't be prejudiced against people. Love people. Don't have prejudice. Don't size up people. Don't let issues around skin color, skin tone, and looks. Children are not conscious of the other child's disabilities or challenges. They, they, don't, they don't realize that the other child, they're limping. They don't even, they don't say it. In fact, they don't even care. They just play. They make the child do things that they do as well because they don't even care. We must be like children. That was point number one. Point number two. Look at your neighbor and say, your amens are subdued, but it's fine. <laughs> number two, we talked about it last week. I want to touch it again. A child is content with little things. It doesn't take much to meet the needs of a child. A smile, a hug, a sweet, a balloon, the child is content. Now, I searched on Google, and I don't know if it's been updated, but I searched on Google on what makes children happy. You can, you can do that as well. All right? And I came across a very interesting article which read as follows, and I quote, Raising happy children is one of the main concerns of adults, and it usually begins even before they're born. Parents often hesitate about buying many toys. 
taking them on a trip from an early age, enrolling them in arts or sports classes, etc. There's something important that we must always keep in mind, and that is sometimes we forget that children see the world in a simpler way than we do. Therefore, it's not so complicated to make them happy. Doesn't matter if you think it's very simple. Surely your little one will enjoy these activities more than you can imagine. And they talked about just 10 activities. 10 activities. Seeing animals up close. Listening to music and dancing. Children like dancing. Exploring new places. So, you know, we, we live in such a, we, we have such a hurried pace that even when a child wants to look at something, so like, I na na And that's why, that, anyhow, Eric, it's right I was going to say something. <laughs> Listening to stories. You know, when you tell them stories, they love it. They want to hear it again. And how many of you have realized they don't care if you told them the same story just a few minutes before. Not, not even yesterday. No, no. You can repeat the same story. And they listen to it like they're hearing it for the first time. And some of you, you are bored with my someone that's new. Already look at you. You're already bored. You're like a child. Listening to stories. I'm just giving you a few things. Running outdoors. Children love running outdoors. They love running. Children don't walk. They run. Disguising, you know, peekaboo. I mean, Masalana, just I mean, how much does it cost you to do peekaboo? How much does it cost? Nothing, but it means everything to the child. You made that day. I love doing it with these, uh, the, 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 but a few months old, you know, when they are carried by their parent. And, and I, I kind of hide, and you see them wanting to see where you are. Just when I know they're all out, then I come out, and then you see them startle, some cry, some smile. But in, in, a, in a short while, we become friends. Not a big thing. Didn't cost me anything. Who moved us over? How much did it cost you? I mean, how many calories did you burn? Eh? Just move it. Oh. When on a Vuitton. Ay, man, Trada, man. Look at your neighbor say, Trada, man, Trada, man. Playing in sand or soil. They love playing in the sand. Leave them. Playing in water. They love it. It's hot now. Let them play. Leave them. Pampa mo betting. Now that's not on Google. That's on my Google. Eating sweets. Getting dirty. I mean, these, are, these things don't cost us anything. Small things. And the child is, at night, they sleep soundly. You're my best friend. You're my best. Didn't cost you. You're my best friend. Jesus says, be like that. We live with such a sense of being discontented. We make so much demands. We are so dissatisfied in our homes that even when your wife is doing her best to be the best wife, you are still unhappy. Even cheat on her. Yeah. Your husband is doing his best to be a good man, but you call him useless. Yeah. We demand so much. Some of us, like, we are just a, a barrel that is bottomless. It never gets full, no matter how much you put in there. Demand, 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 demand. Children are not like that. 
Even when it comes to God, people say, no, I was angry with God because he didn't answer my prayers. You think he cares? You think you're going to bring that attitude to God? Push him around? You think God misses being God because we're not a male? You think it's going to be less of God because we're not real? Look at your neighbor and say, why are you quiet? Is it you who said some of that stuff? <laughs> I will teach on contentment this coming year. I've been intending to teach on it for a long time. Contentment. Bazalan, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we really need to learn to be content. I'm don't, I didn't say don't dream big. I didn't say don't pursue more. That's not what I said. But even in doing that, where you are, that's where you are. Yeah. Don't, don't live with a spirit sabatang what you don't have. Because it, it, it's, it's breeding ground for jealousy. When you see someone having what you are wishing to have, you can't even congratulate them. Look at your name and say, hey, man. Yes, 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 yeah, yes. Number three, children are innocent. Innocence. This is important, Pastor. Listen how Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14, 20 in the New Living Translation. He says, dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding of these things. But then he says, be innocent as babies when it comes to evil. Be innocent as babies or children when it comes to evil. But when it comes to understanding, be matured. What does it mean? What it means, Bazana, is this. Have innocence in the way you live. Stay away from wrong. Have the innocence of a child. You know, children can't lie successfully. They can't. They can't. Even when they lie, you can see they're blushing. I once went to do follow-up years ago. And uh, at a certain house, and, and I had the follow-up card, and it, they'd given it to me many months after the, the crusade that had been held. So I come to this house, and I'm looking at this card, and I'm saying, I'm here to Kutlobo Nasabanivane. And, 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 and this lady was with a child. I think she, that girl must have been about eight years old. And I could see by the time Kutlobo Nasabanivane, and as had gone to uh, the gospel crusade, Christ for all nations with Reinhard Bonke. She gave her life to Christ. I'm just here to encourage to pray with her. And anybody knows what I'm talking about? Have you ever told a child when someone comes to look for you because Omokolota? Come on now, yeah, yeah, I, I, I can see you can feel me, I can see you can feel me, yeah. And you, you, you told your child, nana, 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 omlelora haki. Have you ever done any of that? Tama, tama, nana, omlelora haki. And nana kind of looks at you and goes to this person, and nana goes, Uita kiri haayo. They can't lie. Just can't lie. You know, when we were young Christians, Barcelona, we, 
we have a certain attitude we carry about ourselves. I remember as a young Christian, I mean, I, 1979, I was just a year old in the Lord, when I began to know Muruti Kenneth Makopo, he used to catch me lying. And I tell you, he would, he would open every verse in the Bible that says liars will have their portion in the lake of fire. I mean, he would work on me. And you know, after a while, I, 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 I really started believing that he knew everything. I, I believed that God showed him everything I committed. So I was, so before I go and meet him, I would confess all my sins at home. <laughs> before I go. But then after a while, I noticed, no, 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 no. This guy doesn't know everything. That that's where it changes. And so I realized, oh, so I would tell a lie, and then he wouldn't say anything about hell. Okay, so then you did. So what happens? See, the, the, the tenderness of my innocent years, of a fear for God, the longer I stayed as a Christian, that fear of God was eroded. Because I noted when I sinned, God didn't kill me. When I was a young Christian, I thought God was going to take me out. When God didn't take me out, then I thought, sure, sure, I can get away with this. Like some of you, Limon, you are here. And you're busy worshiping the Lord. I love you, Lord. And I lift my hands. To worship you, Magabongwe, Magabongwe. And another comic happened last night. What happened? When you were a young Christian, you never used to do that. But as we get older, we lose our innocence. I'm being honest with you. You know, I've seen certain young leaders that in my heart I said, God, how I wish I could hide them. I remember the one place I was, I was pre- preaching in this church and there's this young couple. And you could see, you know, when you're young, you know, you think every Christian is nice. You know, that exuberance of young. They love everybody. They think everybody is nice. And you should think like that. But you must, you must modify because not everybody's nice. But then I, I remember saying to them, how I wish I could hide you from the reality of the cruelty of the world. Because it makes you lose your innocence. You get one bad experience and you begin to think everybody's like that. See, one one, they're hurt by one person and they think everybody's wrong. See, yeah. We mustn't lose our innocence, Barcelona. What Paul is saying here is that in doing wrong things, be innocent, be like children, but in understanding, be matured. In other words, saying, balance the two. Be as an, an innocent child, but be wise enough not to let yourself in situations where you'll become vulnerable. Yeah. So you learn that there are people who will be, no, no, they won't be nice to you. So because they won't be nice, understand they won't be nice. Don't hate them. Love them, pray for them. Mara, don't leave yourself susceptible for them to hurt you again. That's what Paul is saying. Have the innocence to forgive. 
the innocence to love, but the wisdom to not leave yourself vulnerable. Yeah. And I say that person because in this field, Buruti, Buruti, I'm being honest with you. I remember talking with Bishop Daki Watmills. We were saying, you know, the higher you go in leadership in some of these things, the more problematic it comes. It becomes. Because you, you see people in the highest of highest everything, the most anointed, the most biggest church, largest churches, and then you sit in meetings together and you see the way they treat each other. Before we are molo, no such thing. No, no, no. Every root, some hallelujah, magabongwe. And then how you molo balon? And so, so you have a choice to 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 disregard what God is doing through them and not learn from them because of abonnets. Or you can still learn from them in spite of. That's what most people don't ever do. They don't learn that. See, ukatsebela moto. And what they do in their frailty is not what God does through them. Can still learn from them. Even if they are vulnerable people. Yeah. Look at your name and say, this someone I care. What, what Sunday did you call it? What Sunday? Omega Sunday. Sunday, Omega Sunday. Number what? Number four. Children trust without complication. Children are very easy to trust. Now, I'm not saying we should be vulnerable, but we must be quick to believe, Bazalwana. Particularly trust God, I'm talking about. Faith builds character. And the process starts when you're a child. If you're a child where, listen to me, where promises were broken all the time, you'll grow up as a person who doesn't trust people. And some of us, we really need to take stock of that. That maybe the reason why we can't trust others is because trust was broken in our lives. I've told you that story of my neighbor, Tumo, this young boy that I love so much, you know, and a toddler who loved me so much. He used to be our neighbor, now still fairly young as well. And every morning I'd hear him calling me, go next door, peace away. Early hours, particularly during school holidays, this time of the year, I knew. Six o'clock in the morning, bears away. Six a.m. He so loved me, this boy. So I'd go out, you know, you know there was a fence, and it wasn't that big, between fence, and then the mom would prop him up on the fence. And I remember the first time it happened, the mom propped him up on the fence. Without warning, he just threw himself towards me. And I caught him. And I thought, this boy, he didn't even want to know if I had enough muscles. <laughs> if I was strong enough. He, 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 he knew that pizza will not let me fall. Trusted me. He was my friend. My friend. I mean, I, I love this boy. I would, you know, and I'd play with him every, so I knew every time. And I remember when I was reading this years later as a pastor, it dawned on me. Children trust so easy. Now imagine Bazalana, when you abuse Mwana, them trusting you that much. Mm. How we ruin their world. Like some of us, we have to deal with stuff because our trust was broken again and again. Now there are times when people may not do what they said, but if it's done so again and again, if people lie to you and cheat to you. And the other thing is if you were raised in a trusting environment, also hula. You become naive to think everybody's trustworthy. <laughs> so Bible is streetwise about shy shy. It's the tenth time I got him a chat at Tokoena, and I who kissed the last nine times, man, still on Mokadim. 
Hata Allah. Pelo ya gago ya go trust us once no move. Look at your neighbor and say Bishop of counseling ya you must learn now. The counseling ya no I sell preaching ke counseling. Tsuha tsuha urubaletse. Note basalam. Hebrews 11:6 says without faith it's impossible to please God. Children have faith. Whatever you tell them they believe it. God wanted us to raise children in a trusting home so that as they become believers they don't have a problem in relating to a God who can be trusted. We should be able to trust without doubt. Can I hear an amen Basalan? Children cannot live without trusting those around them. Trust is not just a virtue but it's vital for reality. Number what? Five. Children don't have time to allow preconceived notions of the world to form their decision-making process. I know that's a long one, but I'll explain it. Children don't have time to allow preconceived notions of the world to form their decision-making. Barnabas, they believe in possibility. You know? They, they just believe and then they, we have a tendency, Runa, as we grow older, to become cynical with age. And to no longer trust, believe, want more, or even we get to a point where the problems of people don't even touch our lives. So there are many hurdles that come around you as you get older. You become cynical, don't believe in people, you have wounds and hurts. And these are the things many times that become hurdles for us when God wants to work in our lives. Even as some of you are listening to this message about your family lineage, already you've already raised several things. So already, because of our past negative experiences, we project that on anything that God says to us. Children don't have past negative experiences. What you tell them, they believe. And they believe it can be done. And this is why youthfulness is so good, because young people believe it can. When David came to the battlefront and he found Goliath, zing-zonging everybody, Those who were older said, Munna, you know who this guy is? We read about him. He's been like this, like this. David, as a young person, said, Because he's a young person. You believe things can be done differently? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You believe in possibility. This is, a, this is the attribute of childlikeness. God wants us to not allow the handles of our past, our doubts and our concerns to slow us down. Yeah. We should be able to deal with those hurdles. Paul says, I ran the race. I finished my course. He ran the race, jumped over all the hurdles. Love has hurdles. 
Life has issues at certain stages in your life. You have to deal with certain hurdles. If you're not childlike, you will not be able to jump the hurdles. But I see you jumping the hurdles in Jesus' name. Don't give up the race. Don't give up the fight. Have the finish line in front of you. Know that if God be for me, who can be against me? And in conclusion, children receive with joy. And when they're given something, they immerse themselves with light-hearted abandonment. In Matthew 21, verse 14 to 16, it reads in the New King James Version, Then the blind man and the lame came to Jesus in the temple, and he healed them. And when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. The chief priests were angry. And they said to Jesus, do you hear what these are saying? Jesus said to them, yes, you've read of them. Out of the mouth of babies and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. It's a childlike attitude to be able to praise God and immerse ourselves in thanking him. It's adults who have been hurt, who are bitter. Adults who have issues, who cannot thank, who cannot praise, who cannot shout and scream and immerse themselves in joy. Some of you, you haven't laughed in years. No, I'm not talking about I'm talking about belly laughter. Some of you, you've never been there. And yet the Bible tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. The Bible tells us that the joy, it tells us that the the, the laughter is as a medicine. Laughter is a medicine. And the good thing about this medicine called laughter, it 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 has no after effects. It has no side effects. You can take as much dosage as you want. There's a lot of people, a lot of adults who've lost their laughter. You've lost your spirit of joy. Why? Because of the issues of life. And of course, as adults, we have to deal with all kinds of things. You have to solve problems, you have to work hard, you have to bury people, you have to do this, you have to do this. In the process, what happens? All of these hurdles, all of these issues make us lose our laughter. And you see, children, like I've given the example when I went to Mozambique, after the war, you could see depression on adults. Everybody was affected by war. But in spite of that, the children were playing in the streets. Next to a car that was bombed. Next to a wreck of a house. Children were playing. They didn't have much clothes on. The little boys only had pants, no top. The little girls had dresses with so many patches on them. But they, they were playing. They were running. They were laughing. The adults were in the... Like some of you right now. Look at your adult next to you. Say, hey, closer, closer. What God wants us to do, Barcelona. Listen to me. Listen to this as I close. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And laughter does good as medicine. Yeah, yeah. Allow yourself to be lost in the presence of God. This is what I tell people. You know, I was so glad uh, because Christmas Day when the ENCA was here. 
you know, the, the young lady was interviewing me, you know, they took it live and she, she was commenting, she said, there's so many people here on Sunday, on, on Christmas Day, she says the auditorium is full. She said, what makes them come back? I said, I know. There's something about the presence of God. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 we may not be able to quantify it. We may not be able to explain it, Bazalana. But there's something about the presence of God. Yeah, Bazalana, that's why when we praise, I don't want us to hold back. Can you hear what I'm saying? That's why when we worship, I don't want us to hold back. There's something about the presence of God when it envelopes you. It will help you go over the hurdles, no matter how many. Luana, you will not know how you got there, but the presence of the Lord will carry you. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We don't always have answers. We don't always know how it's going to end. We don't always know how we're going to come out of it. We don't always have all the solutions. But what we know is that God is on our side and God will never leave us. And God will never forsake us. So I appreciate young people when they come and say, the young people but are more in large numbers. Because how about Yeah, how about they don't have to worry about power this afternoon. <laughs> but we allow our burdens. But let me tell you why I say this. Let me tell you why I say this. With all the responsibilities that are on my shoulders, I've told mom, if I was to focus on all the problems, get that so far before There are times I don't want to talk about the problems. Not because I do you. But I don't want to immerse myself in issues. Why? Because Jesus said, casting all your cares upon him. Casting all your cares upon him. Casting all your cares upon him. Throw all your problems. Life in life, good things coexist with bad things side by side. You'll never have time in your life where you are problems free. Never. Never. There'll never be a day where everything is solved. There'll always be something that's not solved. There'll always be an area where you are having a challenge. There'll always be a situation that you can't resolve. There'll always be something that you don't understand. There'll always be somewhere where one prayer was not answered. There will always be something you just don't know. You don't want to immerse yourself in problems. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. Can I hear an amen in the house? So when we come into the presence of God, we must learn, Bazalon, to immerse ourselves in the presence of God. Because oftentimes I find that gives me just enough to carry on another week. <laughs> and I come back for another refueling and I keep on. on a, and, 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 and I can speak like David that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Mara. In other words, I keep on walking. I don't stop. I just keep on walking. Keep on walking. Hey, you must keep on walking. Keep on walking. Keep on walking. Let's stand on our feet. Let's stand on our feet. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Even when the best preaching came, you never said amen. You never said the ah, sugar. Our neighbor, let's stand on our feet. Let's stand on our feet. Riyahulim. Ooh.
and close your eyes if you're here today and you say you know what I haven't given my life to Christ as yet he's not Savior and Lord of my life I'm not born again I'm not a child of God I really need God in my life Bishop my life hasn't gone the right way this entire 2023 I've been running away from God but today with what I've heard I realize that God is waiting for me with arms wide open and I want to give my life to Jesus Christ for him to be Savior and Lord of my life. Our heads bowed, please. Our eyes closed. Nobody moving around except for the ashes. Nobody leaving, please. If you're here and if even people in the foyer, say, please, Bishop, please pray for me. I really want to invite Christ in my life. I really want to invite Christ in my life. I want Jesus to change me and make me a child of God. Please pray for me. If that's you, raise your hand, please, right where you are. I want to pray for you. Just raise it high. Let me see it. Thank you for those hands. Raise it high. Don't be afraid. Be like a child. Don't feel embarrassed. Be true to where you are in life. Be true. I want to pray for all of you who've raised your hands. May I ask you, please, if you could come. I see even people in the foyer there. Would you just come and stand in the front? And as you come, please take your belongings. Don't leave any of your belongings behind. Just walk all the way to the front and come stand in front of the stage facing it. I'll wait for you. Thank you, Jesus. 